What a joy to have Brother Wally Pearson preaching the word tonight. Put your hands together for Wally Pearson tonight. Praise God. Pray for me. You, Pastor, pray for me. Lord, thank you. You've used him so mightily here. And you used him so mightily in so many places. A gift to the body of Christ that's not always been received. Misunderstood by so many because of the zeal and the joy of the Lord. God, you raised him up. You healed him so many times. You raised him up, Lord, to be a trophy of your grace. Lord, thank you for what you did in Barrow. And thank you for the vision and the dream of revival that burns in his heart. Thank you for his beautiful marriage that's an example to every one of us. Thank you for his beautiful children and his grandchildren. An example of a godly family, a godly man, a godly woman, a godly family, and how you will rain your blessings out. And that with God, nothing is impossible. Over and over and over again, you have hemmed them in and brought them through and revealed your glory. It's true. And we stand in a place understanding the gift that you have given us and we're so grateful for this beautiful family. Release them into all that they have, all that you have for them. It's way beyond a building, Lord. Your kingdom revival, not only here, but in other places, even internationally. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this precious gift. The Pearson family. Use them tonight. We open our hearts and say yes to what you want to say through. Jesus' name. Amen. What a wonderful church, huh? Wow, what a God we serve. I'm amazed at our God that we serve. He is so awesome. What an awesome God. Sometimes I have to stop and think, wow, this God that created the heavens and earth loves me for the way I am and what I am. Don't sit down. Let's read the word. Praise the Lord. We're going to read... I can see it here. Where's my notes? Wow, I'm like drunk in my <laughs> It's like, oh my God. My mind's like, like I've been out drinking all night. It's like, whoa, where am I going? It's like, whoa. I'm trying to pull it together here, Pastor. You know, you preach such a good message. Was that this morning, the strategies of God? Was that this morning? Oh, that was a great message. I just remembered that now. 
It was a great message. We can't do nothing without God's strategies. It's powerful. Um, I've got to see my scripture. It's Matthew. No, it's Mark. It's Mark 25 through 34. Hey, oh, Lord. It's going to be hard to read. Remember what they say? Mark? Mark 5, 25 through 34. Yeah. A certain woman... <clears throat> A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had, and had suffered many things. Oh, Lord, this is not going to go well. <laughs> uh, Lori, come up here and read this for me. <laughs> I, I'm just having a hard time. Uh. Oh, God's word is so good, isn't it? And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she heard of... Uh, Wally, you changed the page. page. <laughs> Let me do this. Back. I saw you guys. I can only... The drunk turned the page. <laughs> what page? What is it, Mark? It's so bad. Five, honey. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. What happened to uh, it? Oh, it's oh, no, 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 no. Where do you want? It ain't listening to me. Tell me where. It's Mark 5, what? 25. Okay, here we go. We're almost there. Sorry about okay. that. Okay. I'll start over. I'll stay back away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang on to me. <laughs> and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And how far do you want me to read? It should be just yellow, whatever yellow is. And straightway, her, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came down and fell before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague. And I have to read a little bit more. Um, number 13. 13.25 or 13.1? 13.25. Okay. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. It's Numbers 13, starting in verse 25. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought word back unto them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. 
And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that were with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw giants, the son of Anak, which come out of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were they in our sight. Is that it? You can preach too, honey. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here, Lord. Um, boy, it's hot in here. <laughs> I don't think it's because of the temperature. Wow. <clears throat> you may be seated. Wow. Such an honor to preach the gospel in a church that's full of God's presence. And that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because of faith. And your pastor stepping out in faith and power and honor and moving in that faith and power. He has to make that choice to do so just like each of us do. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. What caused her to be healed? What did she do in her mind that changed her life? What did she do? She set her mind on Jesus Christ and didn't let any obstacle or anything touch her. She didn't let any doubt, any fear, any misgiving, anything stop her, including those that would have put her to death if she would have got caught out there. Because the traditions of that day, she would have been put to death if she would have been caught out in public with the issue of blood. That's a fact of life. She put everything on the line and stepped out in faith, knowing who her God was. She knows, she just said, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I would be whole. She knew that in her heart. If she just touched that man of God's garment, she would be whole. She set her mind to doing it. What a powerful thing. Think about that. That's where we have to come to. We have to come to that, site, that mindset that we will do that. Joshua and Caleb, they were the same way. They came back. Everybody gave a doubting report. That report that's talked about in that word right there, that was a report of doubt. And all it did was cause destruction. Total destruction. Caleb and Joshua came with a report of what? A faith. Absolute faith. Well, where did that come from in their lives? Where did that come from in their lives? How did they come up with that kind of faith to walk and do what they did? How did the woman with the issue of blood come up with her faith? Because that's what we need. Do you realize that I would not want to follow most Pentecostal Christians and the directions they go with their lifestyles and what they believe and how they talk and how they do things? I would not follow them. Because it's full of doubt and unbelief. Whether we like it or not, it's true. Unless we have the faith of that one of issue blood or Joshua or Caleb, we're never going to move the mountains. You know, God has placed something in this man's life right here. He has placed the anointing of God. He has placed the power of God to raise the dead. That's what it says. 
The same anointing that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells within my life. That's reality. That's not proud. That's not boastful. That's truth. He said, the same works that I have done, you shall do, and even greater works. That's in my life. I do not doubt that one ounce that God has not placed it there. That is reality. That's the reality we each need to walk in. We will never change things around us unless we come to that realization. What dwells within our lives is real and truth. You want revival? You really want revival? Then you need to change your words that come out of your mouth. Instead of grumbling about the church, you better be on your knees in faith speaking life into the church. You want this property to turn into the kingdom of God and advance with the power of God? You better be on your knees worshiping God and thanking him for what he's doing. You need to start claiming the land. It's yours. You have the same authority God has placed in this man's life. I is not a respecter of persons. What a God we serve. We can have all the gimmicks and the programs in the world, which most churches, that's all they got. They've got no power. They've got no anointing. I'm sorry to say. I've been in a lot of Pentecostal churches, and there's nothing there. Nothing. And they should be walking giants for the kingdom of God. The only reason we won't take this city for the God is if in our own minds, we don't set our minds like this woman with the issue of blood, like Joshua and Caleb, we have to set our mindset just like they did and know who dwells within us. He is a powerful, powerful God. And he has placed it there for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. It's not for Wally to puff up his chest or go around showing off. It's for the advancement of the glory of God to build this building, to advance his kingdom, to take this state for the kingdom of God. We're not building it by accident. There's a purpose in it. It's to advance his glory. We have to come to the reality of knowing who we are. Loud music's not going to change it. Loud music's not going to usher in one thing. Emotions. I'm not interested in emotions. I'm interested in the glory of God. I'm interested in men and women of faith to change the environment we're walking in. Revival is now. The only thing stopping revival now is how we look at it. We have to look at it as Joshua and Caleb looked at it. These giants are nothing. Drug addicts are nothing. The government's nothing. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. We compare to what God has placed within our vessels, he is nothing. God has placed an anointing in your pastor's life that is second to none. If you can't see that, you're blind. We've been blessed by him. But don't be murmuring about him. You better be praying about him. You better be touching God's heart for his life. We want him to advance to another level. I'm not satisfied where they're at. I want them going from glory to glory to glory, changing this community, changing our church, changing our loved ones, our lives, and everything. We don't need a staff of people just with programs. We need a staff of people on fire for God, knowing who they are in Christ Jesus, knowing that when they do things, it changes lives, knowing that when they lay hands on somebody, there's an endowment within them, just like it was in Christ when that woman touched the hem of her garden. There was something that came out of her, the same thing that's within us. She didn't even have what we have, not one little whiff of it. She doesn't, Joshua and Caleb doesn't have one whiff of what we have. We have so much more than they have. The Holy Ghost wasn't given yet. The power of God hadn't been demonstrated to us yet. Jesus hadn't come on the earth yet. He hadn't kicked the devil in the butt and pushed him under his feet. 
devil is a defeated foe. He cannot do nothing to the church. The church has allowed the devil to beat the church up. It has to end. It has to end. It's just got to end. There's an urgency in my heart that just tells me, God, help me. God, help me to urge these people to rise up with so much power. You run out of this room. You start laying hands on people, and they change their lives. The power of God. Know what dwells in you. And don't go pray for people and think, oh, I hope it'll happen. I hope they'll be healed. I hope you that. That is doubt and unbelief. You need to know who your God is and know what dwells in you. I remember Pastor and I praying for his bees to come back into the hive. Boom! They went right into that hive. Why? Because of what dwells within us. The presence of the Most High God. He's in control of the bees. He's in control of everything on this earth. We lack nothing. You are mighty men and women of God and you lack absolutely nothing. So we need to change and stop murmuring and quit running around the mountain. We don't want to end up like these Israelites, never entering into the promised land. And I'm talking about the promised land, never entering into the power and authority God has given us to move mountains. Because that's where God wants us. He wants us moving mountains, driving back the gates of hell. They have no power. They have no authority. You have it all. Drive it back. Just drive it back. You have problems in your family? Drive back the gates of hell. Don't start rebuking your mate. Start rebuking the demons. It's a battle against principalities, powers, and rules of darkness. It's not against flesh and blood. You have to realize who the battle's against and who you are. When you recognize who you are, you will change the environment. I'm going to tell you who my God is. I prayed for my brother who had terminal cancer. I just read my journal. I have a journal that says more than conquer in the front of it. And I write certain things that God speaks to me about in it. Constantly speaking to me who I am, what he's called me to do, this and that. And I write this in the journal. It's called more than a conquer. And I thank God for that journal because I wrote about my brother and praying for him. He had terminal cancer. supposed to have been dead in three months. Three months. He had surrounded himself. Now listen to me real careful, people. He had surrounded himself with godly people. Pastor Dave from this church. It's a new life Christian church. Full of God. Full of the glory of God. Full of the power of God. Moving in revival. He was involved with that. He was involved with my friend Dave. Powerful man of God. He had surrounded himself with the right people that spoke life, truth to him. Nothing but life and truth, nothing but life and truth. So what was coming out of my brother's mind and out of his heart, what out of his mouth was truth. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I have been healed. He told the doctors that told him that I don't believe in miracles. You will be dead in three months. You better go home and prepare yourself. He told the doctor right to his face, no, my God's a healer and he's healed me. And that's the end of it. Three months later, he came back and all they seen within his brain cells was an echo. Nothing left. The doctors all came in and stared at him and says, it's a miracle. But the sad part of this story and the sad part of my brother is this. Two years without any cancer, but he removed himself from the presence of God. Not, not Jesus, he still loved Jesus, but he removed himself from the influence of what God was doing in his life. Influence is powerful. You have to surround yourself with the people who are liking that speaks truth, speaks like, speaks the word, walks in the word, talks in the word, and acts in the word. You have to do that. 
You just have to do that. It isn't going to happen by accident. You have to choose who you're going to deal with, who you're going to be with. You sit around with people, all they talk about is sickness and disease. Guess where you're going to be? You're going to be in sickness and disease. My brother went and started taking counsels from doctors after he was healed. And they started giving him chemotherapy because these doctors get a kickback of five dollars to $10,000 for every treatment of chemotherapy. He went through five of them. It killed him. They found no cancer in his body ever did. But the chemotherapy, because he surrounded himself with the wrong influence, he's still in heaven, but he could have lived and lived a good life. But he chose. He was, he was a baby Christian. He'd only been a Christian two years. But a good brother. I love him dearly. I miss him. But you see what happened? Do you understand what happened? Surround yourself. Get in church. Your pastor preaches truth. There's no if about it. Give me a break. He preaches life to you. I'm under it. The reason why I'm at this church is because of this man of God. There's no other reason. God brought me here for a purpose. He brought me here. He literally brought my wife in here to this church. We came, we moved out here, and it's the first church we attended. We prayed for God, asked us to take a church. We went here, and we never left. Because God brought us here. It wasn't by accident. God ordains our footsteps. But look at Joshua and Caleb. You look at those two men. Why did they do what they did? Why did they walk the way they walked? When Moses is up on the mountain meeting with God, where was Joshua? On the side of the mountain. He wasn't down with the entertaining group down there partying. Moses is on the mountain. Where's Joshua? He's waiting on the side of the mountain for his God to return. Think about that. He's not going for anything. He is waiting. He knows what he has to be. He's the one that held Moses' hands up when, when, when they were crossing the Red Sea. Joshua chased after the man of God. He rubbed his shoulders next to the person that had the anointing of God and the presence of God. He knew where to run to. Joshua didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. He didn't have the power of God. He didn't have what Jesus attended for. But think about that. Then he turns around, and he rubs next again. He's constantly, Caleb and Joshua are constantly rubbing shoulders with who? Moses, the anointed one, the very presence of God. That's what you have to do. You have to contend for your own life to rub your shoulders, get close, draw in, draw in, draw in to people of God that like understanding of his truth. If it's not his truth, his word, move on. Don't go into some self-pity party. You are going to destroy yourself. Your words will destroy you. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Blessing and cursing is in the power of the tongue. That's reality. Life, blessings, wealth is in the power of the tongue. It's unbelievable what God has done. Surround yourself with truth. Surround yourself with truth. Get in the word of God. Let it feed your mind. Let it feed your heart. Let it transform you. Let it set you free. Rise up beyond your understanding. If I asked you right now, which one of you in this church needs a miracle, and do you have, are, are you, have you set your mind like the woman with the issue of blood to receive it? Because that's the key. That's the key right there. I'll guarantee you will get a miracle right now. If your mind is set like that woman with the issue of blood, you could come up here right now. I would pray for you, and I guarantee you would be healed. There's no if about it, because that's where it's at. Because you are literally putting your hand upon God's presence and knowing that it's going to change your life. You have set your mind to receive that. That's the key. You have to set your mind. You have to come to this church setting your mind that you're going to be more than a spectator. 
You cannot come to church to be a spectator anymore. If we're going to advance our kingdom with authority and power, we have to stop being spectators. That's a fact of life. We have to be doers of the word. We have to rise up. Home fellowships are important because they build relationships. That's where you rub shoulders against the people that are like-mindedness that change lives. That's who you want to write. I mean, we have to stop looking at the church the way it is. We are an army. We are a force that Satan has no right to. He has no authority and power. He has no authority and power. Satan has no right touching your family, your children. He would try to attack, he'd try to attack my family and stuff. We would come against him. Was I ever attacked? All the time. I was just attacked recently. Totally set free instantly. That's who God is. I even went to the doctor. And that guy over there, see that guy over there, that pastor guy over there? He showed up. You guys are in the conference. He lays hands on me. I felt this warmth go through my chest. Went and took x-ray. They found nothing. Came to the meeting then. That's who God is. I'm not afraid to ask for prayer. Believe me, if I need a little more shot, a little bit more, to put me over the hump, I will call the elders of the church to help me. But I'll guarantee you what, they're going to be people that when I lay hands on me, they, they believe and they agree in the truth. They're not just anybody. They're people who believe and stand on the word and on the truth. So something happens, then the anointing of God is able to move and do what God's called it to do. The anointing of God is no formula. It's a relationship. It's totally a relationship between you and your God. And the more you draw near to him, the more you hunger and thirst after him, the greater his presence is. There is absolutely no end. We used to work with drug addicts and stuff. And I used to tell those, those guys used to tell me, man, this is the highest high I've ever seen. I've never been on a high like this. And I told them, says, you will never run out of that high. In all the years I've been serving God, and it's a long time. It seems like a long time, but never that long. It seems like I'm still a babe in Christ. I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. I don't want to stop. I want more. I am the greediest person in this building. I am so hungry after the things of God. I will press into it. I will hunger for it. I'm thirsty for it. I don't get enough of it. I was surrounded by an angel down in Arizona. Just recently, this happened to me. And it literally tore my heart to pieces. This woman dressed in rags. I went out to the church. Assemblies of God Church down there. Good pastor down there. I love the man. I was asked to go out and pray for the, past, the children's pastor. He's having some struggles. I need a drink of water. I was drinking so much of the Holy Ghost that that mayor over there. I sure love church. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother building one. Churches are the hardest building in the world to build, people. Because of the battle, it has to be raged to build it. You don't realize that. It is an extreme, extreme warfare that takes place to build a church. Especially a church that's called by God to change a community. The greatest revival that's ever hit this land is coming off of that land, people. Do you understand that? What I am preaching to you to realize that you need to set yourselves up in the principles and the power and the ammunition of God so that you're ready to change. That change needs to happen now. The foreground needs to be now. We need to start changing lives now. Revival is now. The only thing, reason you're not having revival is because you're not getting anybody saved or laying hands on anybody getting healed. Revival is when people change, lives are changed when you lay hands on them. That is revival. If you don't think that's revival, ask the person you lay hands on who has been healed or the person who has been set free, the person who has been saved. 
That is revival. See, we're looking for people to get drunk. That's no problem. You want to get drunk in the Holy Ghost, come on up. I'll pray for you. No problem. That's no problem at all. God loves to play with his children. I asked God one day, why? Why, why, why do you allow your children to lay on the floor and act like absolute idiots? He says, do you ever play and blow with your own children, blow on their stomachs and play around with them? These are my children. I'm enjoying my presence. I'm enjoying their joy and their laughter. I am healing them. I thought to myself, oh, my goodness. And then I got stuck to this chair. This is, this is one of Rodney's deals. I, <laughs> I got stuck to this chair, and they couldn't pull me out of it. Four men could not pull me out of that chair, big men. They could not move me out of this chair. I thought, well, I guess I'm not going up front for anything. The lady gives me a baby to hold. I'm holding this baby. I'm serious, people. This is God. I'm holding this baby, and this is many years ago. And I thought, God, if this is real... Touch this little baby. Make it laugh. I touched the little baby, and that little baby started laughing. Little six, seven-month-old baby, just rolling, laughing and laughing. I thought, oh, God, it's you. This is really good. <laughs> Isn't that something, how much God truly loves his church? But he wants his church. You know, every time, every time we step out, and we don't honor God's word, his promises, his covenants that he has given us. And we beg God, we're murmuring. We're murmuring. I'm sorry, people. Every time you start begging God for something that he has accomplished, he's accomplished it on the cross, people. Read it. If by his stripes we have been healed, we have been healed. By the blood of Jesus we're set free, then we're set free. There's no if. Either this word is truth or it isn't. And I just so happen to believe every word of it is truth. It's life-changing. So we got to be careful how we speak about things and how we, our attitude is. We have to change our attitudes. If we're going to change our community, we need to be a light. We need to be the salt of the earth. We need to shine with such power and such authority. It will literally change our community. They will want what we got. They will run to what we got because we got what they need. It's life-changing. Isn't that something? He has given that to us, Amen. our fleshly beings, to glorify him. He wants us to walk in such authority and such love and so much compassion and grace and mercy that it transforms everybody we lay hands on. The only thing stopping you is fear, yes. doubt, and unbelief. That is the only thing. Satan's got the church right exactly where it is. Not our church. Don't get me wrong, people. I'm preaching, but many of you are walking in that truth. I'm preaching those that are struggling. We do struggle. If you have problems with unbelief, what does the word say to do? Lord, help me in my unbelief. How simple is that? I mean, really. God made a way for everything. We're struggling in faith. Lord, help my unbelief. Give me strength to believe. Even Peter, when he was walking on water, believed. He walked on water. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank. But he did not have the power we have either. Peter doesn't walk in the anointing we have. Not even one ounce of it. But he still walked on water. They didn't, Jesus didn't drag him in through the water back to the boat. Give me a break, people. They walked back to the boat together. That's who God we serve. He'll walk back to the boat with you. If you cry out to him, 
That's a fact of life. I've cried out to God for a lot of things, and he has honored me. He has honored me and honored me and honored me. He's honored my wife. We've cried out for our children. We fight for our children. That woman fights for her children. She doesn't back down from nothing, no matter what. If it's her child, she just fights in there. She gets thing in there. She grinds her feet in there. She gets the word, and she doesn't waver. She claims her children for the kingdom of God no matter what's going on and how they're wavering or what they're struggling with. She does not allow it because Satan doesn't have a right to her children. They're children of God. We raise them in the principles and the truths of God and they shall not stray. They'll not depart from it. They will rise up be men and women of God and they all are. Why? Because we stand in his truth and we're not willing to move one inch. What a God. He gave us Everything we need to be victorious. We lack absolutely nothing. I am amazed. Sometimes I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. Even in this building program, sometimes I'm absolutely, uh, I look at pastors sometimes, I'm so grateful, you know, between him and I, we muster up faith that we don't waver. We just, we got to keep it together. We have to keep it together. That's reality. You have to keep it together. Situations don't look good. You can't go that way. You have to go. You have to look beyond. You have to look way beyond the situation. If you get in a situation, all this is murmuring, murmuring, murmuring. We know what happens to murmuring. You're going to run around the mountain, run around the mountain. The church will never get built. That's all you'll do. You'll murmur and murmur and murmur and murmur. You'll never get healed because you keep going around the same mountain. Someplace you've got to come to that paint. And you're going to grab a hold of that hem of that garment. You're not going to move come hell or high water. You're standing on the truth, and you're going to believe for it, and that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Point blank. Put an end to it. God's bigger than the situation. He's bigger than disease. He's bigger than any enemy. He's bigger than Satan, any sickness, any disease. What's happened in our society is we've allowed the society to dictate to the church to a major sense, major, major sense, we have moved so far away from the principles of God to water down the truth. And it's getting more and more and more. It's time for the church to stand up for that truth and start walking and changing everything we touch or do. We have so much to give our community. We can change Wasilla in a heartbeat. Literally in a heartbeat. There's nothing that can stop us. Just know that. When you're out there and you see somebody needs a healing and you, your heart kind of quivers in your heart for some little boy that's walking in crutches or whatever, that's the Holy Spirit telling you to do something. That's a fact of life. I laid hands on a little girl who didn't have a thumb. It appeared in 15, 20 minutes. A brand new thumb. Another man didn't have legs. He got two brand new legs. He went down to the foot store, shoe store, ordered a pair of shoes. And as he set the shoes down, his foot went right into him. That's in America. I've seen deaf ears open, blind eyes see. Why? Because what God placed in us is for a purpose to be a testimony to the unbeliever. Signs and wonders are for the unbeliever, not the church. The church should be walking it. That's our food. That's, 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 that's our blessing from God. He's already accomplished it for us. We're more than conquerors. He fought the battle for us. We don't even have to fight the battle. He's done it all. We lack absolutely nothing. And the key to this whole church is, I'm going to tell you right now, people, this is how important you better be praying. And I mean you better be praying. You better not be murmuring for your pastor. You better be praying for him. And I want you to pray that God advances him to more levels. 
their principles, that God would put a veil of protection about them, the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to pray for angels to surround about him and his family, that no harm would come upon them. And then start picking certain individuals you'll buddy up with and partner with, and every day pray with them. I want you touching bases every day, praying with authority over someone next to you, a mate. It will change each other's lives. It will change their lives. Every single day, touch bases with them. Not to talk about your sickness and disease. Talk about the Word of God. Pray for them. Pray with authority. You don't even ask what they need. If they ask you what you need, tell them. Pray for it. Pray for it with authority. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. It will change the way we think. I've known churches that have started praying for one another with that kind of authority. They grew from 100 to 2,000 in 12 months. In 12 months, that same man did it twice. Twice in his lifetime. That's the key. The key is love your brother, love your neighbor enough to give him time. That you plant seeds in him. You encourage him. You nourish him in the ammunitions and the power and authority of God. We have a lot to give people. I don't care if you're a baby Christian. I have watched baby Christians transform communities. Don't tell me about baby Christians. They get so much zeal and they don't know anything. All they know is what Jesus did for them. They got this feeling inside them. They're free. They've been bound up from drugs and alcohol or whatever, and all of a sudden they're free, and they want to tell everybody about it. They're not afraid from everybody, anybody. And they get stomped down, and they get stomped down, but they keep right on doing it. Sometimes the biggest enemy of those on fire young Christians is the church. I hate to say it. It's true. If you really look at the situation seriously, and I'm not going to go into it, Sometimes the church is the biggest enemy to baby Christians. But we're not. This church is in the building, building lives, building souls, letting the love of Jesus Christ rise up in it. We have great leadership. It's not by accident. Every man's ordained to be here. And God moves people on. God brings people in. That's what he does. Because some man will give what he has to give, and then God calls him on because God also wants him to mature and grow. Alex just left our church. That's for him to move on to another level in his life. That's not by accident. God knows what he's doing. We don't know what we're doing. He knows as he's ordaining his footsteps. We can look at all kinds of situations and murmur about all kinds of stuff, but I'm telling you right now, none of it's by accident. That's reality. Either you believe God ordains your footsteps or you don't. I just so happen to know that God ordains my footsteps. There's no if about it. I know he ordains my wife's footsteps and my children's footsteps. It's not by accident. He's God. He said he would do it. Pastor was talking about the wealth of the wicked laid up for the righteous. People, grab a hold of that. I am trying to get this church to the point that we transform our community. It takes money to transform communities. But God's already given us that. So what are you going to do about that? Lord, thank you for the wealth of the wicked being laid up for me. Show it to me. That's his job. And then open up your mind and your heart to see it. Open up your mind and your heart to see it. He will show you things. Some of the greatest inventions are coming through prophetic messages and words to men and women of God that are going on today. Some of the most ingenious inventions are coming to Christian people. That's a fact of life. I know some of them personally. And there's some of the most unbelievable inventions that's going on on the earth right now. And they're Christian men. They've sat at a table, four of them, then they started prophesying over them. 
each other. And some of it was top secret, and they had to stop the prophetic messages from traveling around the, from four men because some of it was not supposed to be talked about. That's the God we serve. Your pastor prays for that. Ask God for witty inventions. Hello, people. Goodness gracious, why not? God's given me multiple inventions. It's cost me a lot of money, but he's given them to me. My wife laughs about it. It wasn't all after then. We gave up a home for it, gave a lawyer a home for it because we had like 18 judgments against me. I've had some battles in my life. It hasn't all been easy. Major battles. You have 18 judgments against you, each of them worth a quarter million dollars. What do you do? You better turn to God and start believing God for something to happen. Never had to file bankruptcy and it was all settled. It took four years. I gave the lawyer my home. We've lost three homes. That's one of them. God replaced them all. Today I own three homes. Think about that. I own three homes. How in the world can that be possible? And sometimes I stop and think about it. I say, wow, God, you are so awesome. You are so awesome that you would do that for me. I'm a nobody. I'm a farm boy from Minnesota, but God, you chose to touch my life and change my life. That's who we are. We're basically in our own minds nobodies. But to God, guess what? We're somebodies. We're who buddies. That's the whole key. Isn't that amazing? Let me ask somebody here. Is there anybody here that knows they're ready to receive a miracle? They know without a doubt in their mind, they walked up here, they'd be instantly healed. Is anybody here that believes that? Come up here and receive it then. Right now? I'm serious. That's who God is. If you're willing to receive it, God's willing to give it. God's not a respecter person. In fact, I'm going to pick somebody out here and pray for some of you so you can see what dwells in you. Why should I do it? I'll do some of it. Grandma, I did that before to you. You need to do it again, Grandma. Would you help her up there? If I help her up there, she's never going to make it. (laughs) But I want you people to realize, I did this one other time, but I want you to realize in your hearts, these people are up here knowing they're going to receive it. Now I'm asking for people that are walking in the anointing and presence of God and know that you have the faith and you stand on truth and you're not willing to waver one ounce. You don't have to come forward. But if you have any doubt or unbelief in your mind, don't waste your time. That's a fact of life. You have to settle things in your own mind and your heart because these people are here to receive truth. They're here to receive God's word and truth. They don't want dead hands laid on whatever heads. Some people say dead heads, and that's wrong. I'm going to tell you what happened to me one time. Just one second, gang. I had a lady in Assemblies of God Church come forward, and she told me that God gave her cancer. And I looked at her dead in the face. I says, listen, lady, if you believe that, I believe in a double portion God. I am going to pray right now that God gives you a double portion of cancer so you can have a double blessing. And she says, oh, my God, don't do that. I says, lady, that's how stupid just what came out of your mouth is. Do you want to be healed of this cursed thing or don't you? Make up your mind right now if you want to be healed and you will be healed. She was instantly set free from cancer. She had changed 180 degrees says, I want it now. That's what it's all about. Grandma, pray for some of these people. Somebody better catch them. (laughs) 
Grandma carries an anointing in her life. Anyone else want to pray for people? Don't be bashful, people. Come on up. Father, increase your presence in this room, second to none. Let them know who you are. Let the glory of God fall in their lives. All I want you to do is lay hands on them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. You know, it's so important that you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, a lot of people go through the religious life and they have this understanding of Jesus, but they have never, ever, I'm talking older people in the church, they have never truly, truly, just in their heart, with all their being, asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. They've never done it. They've, they've heard it, they've heard it a thousand times, but they've never stepped out and done it. Isn't that amazing? I've seen that in powerful churches. And I'm like, how is that possible that church person's gone to church for 30 years and never asked Jesus Christ into her life? That's amazing. When we get done here, we're going to ask for testimonies of these people, what God's doing in their lives. I'm not doing it. They're just like you or I. They're just people. God's a big God. He wants to use you in a way that you've never been used before. The only thing that's stopping you is fear and doubt. Nothing else. And God can take care of that now for you. And if you're a little bit wondering what's going on, God had the right idea. When he took the disciples, he sent them out in twos. The buddy system. You know why I like the buddy system? I always think my buddy, he's crazy. He's got a lot of faith. I always picked the buddy that was crazier than I was. And he always went with me. So I, I knew he was crazy enough to believe it. So I was in good shape. And so between the two of us, we got a lot of work done. Jesus knew what he was doing because it encourages each other. You encourage each other in the things of God. Pray for one another. Do what God has called you to do. We serve a powerful God. You have any questions about anything, people? Anything. You know, I really love the church. And I, you know, this experience I had with this angel that I met with just, just not very long ago. She was a woman, and I shared a little bit with our pastor. I've never shared a lot. But it was a circumstances that broke my heart. It literally tore me apart. Because what I'm preaching on a little bit is what this angel dealt with me on severely this is a woman dressed in rags but clean and I walked out there in this little cabana area of the church and I was going over to pray and there this lady was sitting and this lady I've never been confronted with such wisdom and such depth of love and such godly character in my life as what came out of this woman's mouth and she confronted me with what I was doing, with God, what God placed into my life. She confronted me about the anointing that he had placed in my life to do the work God had called me to do. In such a way, I broke down weeping. She did it with a lot of love, but also with a lot of boldness because I was in the wrong. I was not doing to the fullest extent what God had called me to do. Because God has called me to do great things just like he's called you to do great things. So this woman confronted me with wisdom and knowledge beyond any man's being. Man could not speak what this woman spoke about God. 
in such depth, in such wisdom, in such knowledge. She spoke into my life and she spoke about things I never dreamed of. And also things that I've done and haven't done. And I'm like, okay, God. Okay, God. Who is this lady? What is this? I kept asking, who are you? Who are you, lady? What are you doing? Because a woman dressed in rags, what is she doing talking to me by a church? And you know what? She says, I was sent by the Father on a mission. And I'm completing the mission. I thought, God sent this angel just to stir my heart and go forward to build a building, but not just to build a building, to build a church. A church of people on fire with the glory of God. That's you people. That's the people in our community, in our homes, my children. I want to encourage you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? How's my crew doing up here? They're doing pretty good, aren't they? We'll find out when God's done. We'll ask them what God is doing in their lives. Because we need to know. You need to know. young ones. Pour it out on them more, more in Jesus' name, more. Pray in tongues. There's two little girls up here praying in the Holy Ghost over this woman and the power of God's all over her. Those little girls. See, God's not a respecter person. He'll use the children. The adults don't want to be used. Guess what? He'll use the kids. So let's get on it. I'm a senior citizen. I want to be used, right? I want the senior citizens no on, so on fire for God it'll change our communities. Amen? You know, God really loves us. He, he just, I don't know how I can express how much God loves us. God loves us so much, so much, that he's willing to give it all for us. He gave it all so that we could walk and do the work he's called us to do. If we start walking and doing what's done right here in our community, do you realize what will happen to our community? you have any idea? It will change this community. Will they talk about this church? Absolutely. We want them to. That's that Holy Ghost church that's laying hands on people and they're being healed. That's that Holy Ghost church that alcoholics are being set free. Amen?
healing, healing in my legs and my weight. What's going on inside of you? Peace. all across this place and just welcome the Holy Spirit to do the next thing. lady prayed for me and I have rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and I walked up here and my neck was hurting so bad and she asked me she said one through ten how does it feel I said it's a ten and it's zero right now zero glory and it hasn't been zero since like 2009 so it's zero father pray Jesus you're the healer I don't know how old those little girls are, but there's two people that have been healed from her that night. What they did was they prayed in the Holy Ghost. She's, I asked them, What did you do? Anything special? No, I just prayed in the Holy Ghost. That's pretty special. Because that's a perfect prayer. So if the kids can do it, uh, hello? There's our answer, isn't it? What a powerful God we serve. And he delights in his children and he delights to want to use you to glorify his kingdom and advance it with power. Amen? I'm going to ask this young lady what's going on here. I've been having pain on my hands. I, I got arthritis on my hands. And it always, I always have like stiffness and sharp pain from... What do you have now? I'm trying to see it, but I don't feel anything. Pastor, you want to close? You're the healer, you're the healer. You're the healer, you're the healer. Lord. 
by you. I want to be used by you. I want to be used by Jesus, you're the healer. Jesus, you're the healer. I, I want to be used by Oh, Lord, Lord. I want to be used Oh, Lord, Lord. I want to be used by Jesus, you're the healer. Jesus, you're the healer. I want to be used by
and the byways and compel them. Lay hands on the six, for these signs follow them that believe in his name. They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We'll speak in new tongues. God has power and authority. Come on, Caleb. Come on, Joshua. You can do it. The integrity of God's word. Declare his word. Be a demonstrator of the kingdom of God. The glory of God. The glory of God is carried on the shoulders of men and women. And the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. How? By you reaching out, being used. Come on, say, Lord, use me this week. Even tonight, use me. Divine appointments. Release miracles. Give me boldness. Come on, say that again. Give me, give me boldness. In Jesus' name. Boldness is required. Give me boldness. Come on, say it again. Give me, give me boldness. I want to be used by you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice and just thank Him. Come on, ask Him. Ask Him. Fresh boldness, fresh fire, fresh mantle. Give us some of the same stuff, Lord, that you gave them. Release boldness tonight, Lord. Oh, release boldness tonight. Boldness. boldness release fire all across this place every home every person Jesus Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not right with God. Don't leave this place in the condition you came in. Give your heart to Jesus. If you've not been born again, this is your moment. This is the opportunity to be made right with God. You can only be reconciled to God by repenting of your sin and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave. If you've never made a decision to live for him, if you've never repented of your sin, won't you do it now? Won't you do it now? You're listening. You're under the sound of my voice. You say, that's me, Pastor. I've never gotten born again. I've never given my life to Christ. We'll do it today. You say, well, I, I received Jesus, but I'm not as on fire as I used to be. Well, God didn't move. Come on, come home today. Come home today. If that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor. Would you raise your hand all across this place? God bless you. Thank you for your honesty, son. Online, Perhaps I see that hand all the way in the back. God bless you. Come on, pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, write out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me, to rise from the grave for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I repent of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Take out the heart of stone. Put in the heart of flesh and use me to bring your kingdom, to bring your healing, to bring salvation, to bring deliverance to the people that I come in contact with. Give me boldness. Fill me full of your spirit and use me 
to fulfill all of my purpose in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.